On today's show, KB and I are going to be discussing Rhode Island Comic Con, the biggest show in the smallest state, headlined by the great Stan Lee, which is his final New England appearance. We'll also be discussing the other guests that are going to be attending Rhode Island Comic Con, along with some other rumors and happenstance that concern those guests. And on the final countdown, KB and I are going to be ranking our top five Stan Lee creations. So ladies and gentlemen, let's get our Comic-Con on on this episode of Free Your Geek. By the power of Grayskull. Is coming. Star Finish him. Fatality. Are you Tony Stank? Yes, this is this is Tony Stank. You're in the right place. Thank you for that. Never dropping that, by the way. Table for one, Mr. Stank. Please, by the bathroom. <laughs> Tony Stank, ladies and gentlemen. Tony Stank. That was the great Stan Lee in Captain America Civil War and his appearance. Probably one of my favorite Stan Lee appearances. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Free Your Geek. I am your host, Jay Free. This is like a very sexy voice I'm doing right now. KB, how are you? Pretty good, brother. Yeah, man. Okay, I'm going to stop doing the sexy voice because... Yeah, it's a little around. awkward. Yeah, you know, it's just two dudes in a room. Kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we got a, a very interesting show. Um, Rhode Island Comic Con. Yeah, excited. It's man. the closest the closest Comic Con to us where we're located. We're in Massachusetts, but Rhode Island Providence is uh, pretty much the closest. Southern uh, New England. It's like 20, 25 yeah, minutes. Yeah. Southern, Southern Rhode We're Island. in Southern New England. Southern, Southern, Southern New England, Massachusetts, yeah. Southeastern Massachusetts. Yeah, okay. Southeast. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. we don't know where we are. We need to like I take need, some geography I need lessons. Google Maps. Yeah. Google Maps. So yeah. So you know, in our area, I mean, the biggest, probably the biggest Comic Con in our area is New York. Yep. Where, which is you know traveling distance, and, and that is still no San Diego, but no. Rhode Island Comic Con. Once you hear the guest list, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, the guests they have churning out, this I year, think, is better than Boston. This year is phenomenal, and it's, this show's been getting bigger and bigger every year, and and it's you know. Because of the support, because of geeks like us, because free freeing your yeah, geeks. That's all what it's all geeks. about. Yeah, man. So first things first, check out their website. We're gonna go through a lot of the guests that I personally think are really really cool. Part of it's gonna be comic related. Part of it's gonna be nostalgia, early '90s, mid '90s related, and some of it's gonna just be kind of uh, I don't know special interest, if yeah. you will. Um, so first things first, let's go to. Uh, let's let's talk about the website ricomicon.com so rhode island comicon.com um it's taking place november 11th through the 13th so that's uh friday through sunday which is going to be awesome and friday i believe is a holiday if i'm not mistaken isn't is it isn't uh that usually veterans day or am i wrong i think you're wrong 
I think I'm right, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll we look, look it up. Actually, KB, look that up. Find out when Veterans Day is <laughs> while you're doing that. You take your phone out and do that. So let's go through some of the uh, the guest list. We'll start. We're gonna start from the top. So and KB doesn't need to to really pay attention to this because he knows all about this man, Stan Lee. Yes, Stan Lee is making his final New England appearance. This is gonna be the last Comic Con. Boom, Jay Free is right. Oh, boom. See that? KB looked it up on his phone Friday. So I'm going to have that day off from work. That's going to be awesome. I'm going to be able to go there really early. I'm really happy about that. So, yes, uh, the 11th through the 13th. But Stan Lee is the headliner. Stan Lee. Man created pretty much the entire Marvel cast of heroes, if you will, and villains. He's pretty much the godfather of Marvel comics. So I'm really excited. I mean, KB... Of all the headliners, can you think of anybody better than Stanley? Uh, better to everybody, no. For for a comic con. For a Comic Con, no. Um, me personally, uh, when they announced Kate Beckinsale the other day, we're going to be talking about that. That yeah. that that's um, I'm a huge Underworld fan, so to have her come in, especially um, right before the the new movie comes out in January. But before we before we talk about Kate Beckinsale, yeah. though, how old is Stanley? 90-something, 90 93, isn't he? He's 93 years old. 93. He's going to be 94 in December. So we're going to be a month away from his, by the time Comic-Con rolls around, a month away from his 94th birthday. It's amazing. Like, that dude, like, you know, it's, it's and I hate, I don't want to speak ill, but I mean, like, it's his last New England appearance. You know, he's getting up there in years. Yeah. Like, you know, so this, for those fans that are kind of on the fence, that are like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I, this is going to be the last time that Stan Lee is going to be in the area, at least for doing these signings. Yeah. So. I mean, it's amazing that he's been doing this this long, like appearances and being on shows and doing his cameos. Even the cameos his and activity the movies, like, is, is even, phenomenal. Even Captain Captain America Civil War, the clip we just played, is the most recent clip. He was yeah. 92 years old, 91, yeah. 92. So got to give the man credit. I mean, most people would probably be done in their, you know, the 70s, the 80s would probably call, call this quits at most. So the yeah. fact that he's his age and still doing this is amazing. So yeah. And this is the last chance, you know, you're going to get to meet him and in, in probably, and you know, you should take advantage of it. I absolutely agree. Now moving on to piece number two, as you were mentioning, Kate Beckinsale. Oh, one of my celebrity crushes. Uh, good thing your wife's no longer here. <laughs> hey, she has celebrity crushes too. Oh, does she? Talk, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so is is it, uh, is one of her celebrity crushes the host of the For Your Geek podcast? No, definitely not. Damn it. All right. Um, so, no, Kate Beckinsale. It's going to be awesome. Going to be awesome. KB, KB needs a minute to recuperate. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. So we'll get there. Okay, so for those fans of The Walking Dead, check out. We got Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who's going to be Negan. Sweet. The Walking Dead will be like ha- like four or five episodes deep. Uh, yep. Maybe three, three or four episodes deep. But, yeah, because it's coming back in October. Uh, yep. Few episodes, so yeah. There'll be a few episodes in. We'll know who Negan killed. Yeah. And we're gonna get a chance to meet Jeffrey Dean Morgan, which is gonna be sick. Yeah. So Negan himself. Michael Cudlitz, who's Abraham. Yep. Josh McDermott. Eugene. And Christian Serratos, who I go uh yep. for as you, you just did for I do it again. Kate Beckinsale. Ugh. Yeah. I do that for Christian Serratos, Rosita. She's awesome. Um fans, we just talked about Captain America Civil War. Yep. Anthony, Anthony Mackey, the Falcon is going to be at Rhode Island Comic-Con. That's sick. We talked last week, Gotham. Gotham. Robin Lord, Lord Taylor, Taylor, who we both praised highly. He's amazing. Yeah. He's probably the best actor on that show. And that's not even like a stretch of for me to say that. No. I think he's amazing. Um, I'm not going to even try to pronounce this guy's name, but the Mountain from Game of Thrones. Julius Jornson? 
Yeah, yeah. There you go. It's Bjorn Bjornson. Is that how you pronounce that? I don't know. It's Bjornson. Yeah, Bjornson. Julius <coughs> Bjornson. Sure. And who's a fan? And I know KB, you're getting into it, but who's a fan of the CW superhero shows? We like we got we like Arrow. Katie yeah. Cassidy, Black Canary, is yep. going to be there. Makad Brooks from Supergirl. He plays James Olsen. I almost said Jimmy, but he, he likes to be known as James. Then we have some newer signings as of today that I saw. Uh, we, we already knew that uh, Arthur Darville, who plays Rip Hunter from yep. Legends of Tomorrow, is going to be there. But also Casper Crump, Vandal Savage from Legends of Tomorrow. And now Falk, I want to make sure I say this, Falk Henstel. I, I don't even know how to, I think I got that, Henstel. H-E-N-T-S-H-E-L. Hent. Yeah, Hent I shell. think you got it. Henshell. Hawkman. Basically, Hawkman from Legends of Tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. If they announce Sierra Renee, I'm going to lose my stuff because I love her, too. You're going to be like, oh. I've already met her. No, she's a sweetheart. She's a sweetheart. Fans of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Brett Dalton. Dalton's going to be there. Yep. He played Ward, Grant Ward. Yep. And then if anybody grew up in the, the early to mid-90s, uh, if I say Go-Go Power Rangers, Jason oh, yeah. David Frank and Amy Jo Johnson... So Tommy Green, uh, Tommy Oliver, not Tommy Green, Tommy Oliver and the Pink Ranger herself. Yep. And Pink Ranger herself, Kimberly Hart, are going to be there. And if you also grew up in the 90s, uh, there was a fun show starring Will Smith called The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Alfonso Ribeiro, Karen Parsons, and Tatiana Ali from Fresh Prince are going to be there. So that's Carlton, that's Hillary, and that's Ashley from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, and then the, these it, little mini reunions are kind of exciting. I love it. I love because then you can do photo ops. Yeah, you can do photo ops. So there's going to be special photo ops where you can take pictures with the cast of Legends or The Walking Dead or, or Sons anything. of Anarchy. Sons usually of always Anarchy. has a few people too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many are going to be there from that. I uh, they got two. Okay, so there's going to be a, probably a photo op with both yep. guys from Sons of Anarchy. And then if you're a wrestling fan, uh, shout out to our sister show on Fifty Nine Media, Hurricane Rana Wrestling, but. Rick Flair, Ricky Steamboat, Billy Gunn, Jake Roberts, Molina, Gail Kim, Christy Hemi, Kelly Kelly, tons of w, for, for current and former WWE superstars and performers are going to be there as well. So that's pretty sick. It, it, it's exciting. It really is. The, the new photo op thing, I, I don't know how I feel about it. Like the whole professional photo op stuff. Why? Um, the cost. The cost of it. Um, I think before they did that, the, the celebrities were more... Um, taking you know more selfies more personal photographs that were more personal and now i think it seems to be like less of that because they opt because, to so in your, in your type. opinion and we want to make we want to make sure that this is your opinion as yeah, my water it is, bottle is my cracking. Opinion. um it's your opinion yep. that uh, you think it's it's becoming too costly because celebrities i think for the f i think the fans i think because when i went to a few years back before they were doing a lot of the professional shoots I felt like you're more engaging with the fans when you're taking photos like during an autograph signing versus I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing, but I'm just saying like I, I think it's a little more engaging. But correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. They're still doing autograph signings where you yep. can still get an eight by ten and a selfie, but they're also offering professional photos. See, shoots. see, I don't know. See, and that's, that's what I'm talking about is I think some fans don't know if it's still OK to ask even. In some cases, because I remember like last year, I, I, I when I seen uh, Ming Na Wen, yeah. it was like she really, I mean, she she was a sweetheart, she's an amazing woman, um, super super nice. But I feel like a lot of people, like as I was standing in line, were not taking pictures with her because I think they didn't understand the concept of like taking a picture. Like, can you do this versus 
you have to pay to well, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, but what I think is I think, you know, because I just went the last con I went to was Hero and Villains Fan Fest yep. in, in New York uh in, in July. And basically each celebrity there had eight by ten and if you want an autograph on the eight by ten or if you want a selfie it would be two different prices, or you could combine the two for you know a yeah. discounted price. I don't think it was clear. I think is, is, is I think they need so, to clarify that. Okay, but that that's more the handlers necessarily yes. than the, yeah. the con yeah. itself. Um, because I I disagree with that because I like the professional photo op. Oh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing as far as it being done and not being nice because the pictures look fantastic. Right. You've got, a, you got awesome somebody ones. that's that's using a professional you know. camera. You know, that knows how to take a picture, yeah. that uses the correct lighting, so you get, like, a really cool celebrity shot, and I think that's awesome. And you're in the picture with them. Yep. It's not just you holding up your phone, and then, you know, it's, it's the turnover is, you know, the the cons are for these celebrities and for the fans, too, but yep. the celebrities are making money with this. Yep. So they're not going to sit there and take, you know, 25 different selfies with you until you get one that you like. Yeah. So at least with a professional photographer, they can actually take one that makes both of you look good. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I, I, I understand it from that point. But I think the selfie is a, is a it makes it more personable. That's just how I feel. Well, about it. I agree because it's a little bit more of an intimate setting. But yeah. I think for like as far as I don't want to say professionalism because that's the only word I can yeah. think of right now. But it, it just the, the professional photography yeah. looks better. Now, case in point, you can't get that autograph. You'd have to get your own eight by ten or something yeah. else later on. So it really depends on what you're looking for. So I like both of them yeah. to be honest. So I mean. I'm probably going to be spending a small fortune at this Comic Con. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about that too. It's just the guests and which ones, you know, uh, you can't pass up on Stan Lee. You really can't. Right. You can't pass up on Stan Lee. Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. Uh, uh, Robin Lord Taylor. I, I find it hard to pass up on Anthony him. Anthony Mackie. Uh, I like Anthony I, Mackie. I, I, like, I like him as an actor. And the Falcon's pretty cool. But, like, if, I have, if I have to pick, say, like, three, like, he oh, wouldn't be in my three. three. Let's say I'm Oof. picking three. Okay, let's let's do this. Let's Stanley is a on little mine. mini count, a little yeah. mini count. Stanley is on mine. Yep. Um, I would probably go Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yep. And Christian Serratos. Okay. See, now that's the thing. See, it, it's also the cost behind some of these photos, the, these these things as well. Um, your headliners obviously a lot more. Right. Per per photo than um. You know, than than some of the other character, um, characters, actors, <laughs> some of the other actors, yeah, because their characters are all played so well. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, so you know, a Stanley autograph is going to cost you. What, what is it online? A hundred? I, I think I so. Think I, I haven't looked at the pricing, but yeah. But again, yeah, it's Stan Lee. Yep. In his last Comic Con. But what I'm saying is, as far as breaking your bank, you have to pay attention to what you're spending. Right. But again, yep. it's and I think that the website's pretty good about showing. Yes, the it is. It's really good. So it's really again, ricomiccon.com. Go check those prices out, and that that's good. If you're planning it out, you know everything's yeah. online. Budget check it. it out. You can budget the thing. It's awesome. And yeah. and I've been like probably four or five years in a row now. Yeah, I've been like three or four. So and I love it. It's it's probably my favorite con to go to. They always uh, have a nice, unique Ri Comic Con. Uh, Exclusive. That's what I like about these cons is getting exclusive stuff sometimes. See, KB's all into like the, the, the swag and the stuff you get, like the, the unique little things that make it like special. And oh, the I, Iron I Man just, pop was pretty cool. The blue see, one. I just, I just like to go, personally for me, I just like to go. Oh, no, to see I, I like there. to go for that too. But No, I know, but I, I just, I don't necessarily buy like a, a, pa- like a pass to get it. I, I don't I, do like VIP or anything. I just want to... I just want to be immersed in all that geekery and all you can that. Still p- you can still pick that stuff up. But, l- but like I said, the, the geekery, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I, I remember, you know, my daughter said to me, uh, said to me on a, on a couple of occasions, she loves Comic-Con because it's a place where you can just be yourself. That's and correct. you can just, uh, like, she she's going to be cosplaying this year. I forget what she's cosplaying as, but um, 
you know, they can just be themselves. And We're going to have judged. to get a photo with her and then post it on our website and yep. then possibly even use it for a future episode. Yeah, that, awesome. that's one of the awesome things, too, is e- even if you're not in the comics or, or there are certain things you're not into, check this out. See what see what the culture is all about. Not just one particular thing like Stan Lee or The Walking Dead or whatever. If you've heard about these things, and even if you're not into them, you've no doubt heard about them, go check it out. Check out the Comic-Con. See what it's about. You could spend a good couple hours just walking around taking in the atmosphere. Right, because I, I should also point out that for those that aren't familiar with it, it's not just the celebrities. No. There's vendors. You can you can buy artwork from local artists or, or yes. just artists in the area. Comic Lots books, of great artists. toys, collectibles, uh, apparel, tons of different vendors, and they all have really, really cool things. You know, maybe you want to get a, I don't know, like a T-shirt with uh, the Flash symbol done in a way that nobody else has. Or maybe you want to get a Walking Dead poster that somebody drew based on the uh, the hit show or the comic book. Or maybe you want to buy some wrestling stuff. That's going to be there. Yeah, and you still get to see these people. Even if you don't meet a lot of the celebrities, you'll still see them walking around and stuff. So there's an atmosphere. There's a vibe. And the I think one of the best parts of it is the cosplayers. The cosplayers really make these events. I want to get some cosplayers. I want to get them on the show and like interview them and, and see if we can get a couple of yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, like last year I know when I went, there was a whole family dressed as Deadpool, which is awesome. Which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I think Saturday is when they do the cosplaying contest. Usually I think they're on Saturday. I, I think Sunday they might be one, but Saturday I think it's I'm going to try to go to all three days. But that's usually, I think Saturday is the, the biggest day. Um, I mean, last year there was a dude who was the Hulk. I mean, this guy was something like seven feet tall or was standing on some stilts. But I mean, just the, the, uh, passion, you see the passion come out in the cosplaying. And I think that's one of the awesome things about it is the passion. I absolutely agree with you. I absolutely agree. There's a lot of passion in, in, uh, no judgment. It's a judgment free zone. Kind of like, um, planet fitness, Yeah, (laughs) but not, but not at all like planet fitness. It's a lot more fun. Uh, KB, you want to get into some industry news? Yeah, definitely, man. All right, let's, let's do some of that. And for our industry news today, just stuff we want to talk about, just real quick, a couple little bullet points. Um, it all revolves around the guests that we just mentioned for Rhode Island Comic Con. So the first piece of news actually comes from Cinema Blend, and it just basically mentions that Stan Lee has given uh, his rights to Fox to make a movie about his life, which is kind of cool. You would figure he'd give it to Disney. Since I know, that, that's the- what's weird about it. But um, it basically says, the article says, having gained Stan Lee's life rights, Fox, the same studio behind the X-Men and Fantastic Four movies, plan on making a quote-unquote period action-adventure movie, which will be centered around the writer. So it's it's saying it's kind of going to be in the same vein as uh, Kingman, The Secret Service, and the Roger Moore James Bond movie. So that's kind of interesting. It, it really is, because I kind of... Th- when he's saying like this is his last appearance at Rhode Island Comic Con, is this part of it? Is it not even his age? Is he just like, no, I want to do some movies, hey, it could be. It <laughs> become could the be. next action star, the next? Well, uh, well it's not going to be him in the movie though, because they're saying who's going to play Stanley. But his he's input, his rights. input will probably be. There. Oh, absolutely. So, so the article goes on to say who's going to be, who should be playing the younger Stanley, and they said that there's already a candidate that's perfect for the role, a gentleman by the name of Brian Cranston. I don't know. They said a few months back, a fan noticed how Cranston's character in The Infiltrator looked like Stan Lee from back in the day. So he took an Infiltrator movie poster and redesigned it so it advertised as a Stan Lee biopic. 
I haven't seen that. No. I'm going to have to look that we, up. We got to look for that. But I think that's pretty cool. So Stanley, movie about his life coming down the pipeline from Fox. I, I just wonder what the premise is going to be. I don't know, but if it's if it's going to be like a James Bond, it's going to be stylized and fictionalized. If it's stylized like if it's stylized like Kingsman, Kingsman was pretty good. Yeah, but I think it'll be over the top. I don't think it's going to be just like a biography. So it's no, going to have no, like element gonna... like thematic elements of and I think that's kind of cool. It's it's like a comic book come to yep. life and I think that's amazing. All right, piece number 2. This goes around uh kind of circles around Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Uh, this is from comicbook.com, where Jeffrey Dean Morgan recently spoke with Entertainment Weekly about Negan and the character's future. And he says, and I quote, as closely as we follow what Negan says and does in those comic books, we also have to add and subtract. We've added a lot, obviously, that's not in the comic books with Negan, he continued. Not only trying to keep his language and his persona, but it's how he walks and how he stands and all that kind of stuff. So I, I can agree with that. Yep. Like they don't show that in the comics. You don't see his stride the way he walks. He's got to kind of make that up. You know, he's the perfect guy for this part. You think about the job he did on the comedian in in, yeah, in Watchmen. He's the he was the perfect guy for this part. I agree, absolutely. Well, then he went on to talk about the differences he's noticed between Negan on the show and the one from the comics. Yeah, the f bomb, every other word. And he, uh, yeah, he basically says as yeah. far as the similarities with the comic book, yeah, Negan might be a little bit more manic. But understand that I've got to connect those panels together and how Negan does that, Jeffrey Dean Morgan explained. He went on to say, if I just make this guy manic and kind of one-dimensional, then I don't have anywhere to go. So I thought for me, especially after doing that first episode, the introduction, and some of the head bashing, there had to be a place I could go. I try to make every scene a little bit of a roller coaster so you don't know. So it'll keep you on your toes of where Negan is, and I only have so much I can go on working on the comic book. But then he also, this is what I took away from this yep. interview. This is this is interesting. He's warning fans that they should be careful what they wish for. Because um, he, he's indicated that fans will be shocked by the premiere of season say, seven, saying, you're, not go- you're going to get those answers answered and more. You're probably not going to be happy with it. That's, that's just really interesting. So, because then, but then look at the piece at what, he, what he's saying at what, what is being said after. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so, on the other hand, the creator, uh, doesn't say if it well assuming it's, it's Kirkman it's, it's, it's got to be yeah. Kirkman I'm sure it's not one of the producers um, <coughs> said fans should be looking forward to next season there's a lot of really great stuff coming and he said in a, a in a recent interview uh, I mean Negan has been introduced he's going to be this ever-present threat in the show from now on uh, this amazing 12 minutes that we got in season six is going to be in nearly every episode now for a while moving forward so it sounds like he's going to be is he going to be the top? Is he going to be the new top build character, the top build actor? Possibly, possibly. So, so before we go into this further, I want to say spoiler alert for those that haven't read yep. the comics. We know the show doesn't necessarily follow the comics. It's pretty close. There's a, a lot of job. they they verge a lot. Yeah. On, yeah. So fans that are caught up with the show, and again, spoiler alert: if you haven't caught up with the show at this point, Andrea is still alive in the comics. She's yep. Rick's love interest. I think we talked about that yeah. in an earlier episode, yeah. but. You know, Michonne and Rick never get together. Uh, you know, the baby's Judith is uh, dead in the yep. comic book. So there's a lot of things that are different. Um, but my point here is that currently in the comic, and if you, again, spoilers alert, spoiler alert, thank you, Negan 
is still alive in the comic books. And we're already three years removed from the scene that we just yep. saw as far as the issues that are published. So we're about one to two years down the he, line. He's actually almost making a resurgence now in the comics. He's, he's actually, yeah, he's basically, yeah. he's becoming, uh, he's trying to redeem himself almost. Um, and we don't want to go into too much of no. what he does because I don't want to give away everything. But... Yeah, he's almost like he's almost like an anti-hero now, as opposed to just a, a straight-up douche. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think he, if he's going to be getting the the top billing, uh, well deserved. I don't know how the rest of the cast would feel about that, but they seem like they're all a cool bunch. And you know, if it's going to help drive the story, great. It, it'd be be right under the Rick Grimes character. Speaking, speaking of amazing stories and and great characters, let's talk about one of the other shows we don't really talk about too much yep. on this particular podcast we're going to though as it gets closer to the next season uh we're going to be talking about uh game of thrones a little bit of game of thrones yeah and uh, i have Can't wait news. for the next season the way the uh, last one ended it's phenomenal it's amazing amazing um but for those that love the hbo series apparently there's a rumor going around that there might be a spinoff think about that and it's going to be That's a prequel and i don't know how they're going to do that but it might the follow Mad King a young, the... either a Mad King or, or maybe like a, a young Ned Stark. I don't know what they're going to do. But speaking backstage at the Emmys, following their second straight win for Outstanding Drama Series, showrunners D.V. Beninoff and D, uh, David Beninoff and D.B. Weiss addressed the talk of a possible prequel to HBO's hit fantasy series. And this is from uh, TVLine.com, by the way. And they said, you might want to ask George about that, Beninoff said, gesturing to Thrones book author George R.R. R. Martin, who was, an attending, who was also attending the award show. Um, it's a great world that George created. It's a very rich world. I'm sure there's going to be another series set in Westeros. But for, it, for us, this is it. Is that what I said? Yeah, but for us, this is it. So then uh, Martin himself then kind of said something, and this, is, this made me laugh when I read this. He goes, there's a wealth of material there, and I'm still writing more. But uh, he basically said, at this moment, we still have to fit this show to finish, and I still have two more books to finish. Well, this is interesting because, from what I understand, the, the the show's ahead of the book. Yes, so which basically, is, which is odd. That doesn't usually happen uh, yes, a lot of things. Yes, but because well, because Martin isn't churning out the books as fast, you know, and basically they they're worried, you know, about his health, and if he were yep. to pass, how is the show going to end? They want to honor the his world and how it's supposed to turn out, how his story is supposed to have to his turn input out. into it. So yeah, probably. they they've yeah. made like little differences between the book and the show but they want to know what the end game is because they want to do his story justice even if they take little detours or change a few things to get there they want his overall vision to still be intact and i think that's pretty cool so yeah he basically told them the ending of the book we have two seasons left of game of thrones to get to that ending so i'm curious he's got two more books to write if those two seasons revolve around the next uh two books maybe that's how old is he uh, great question. I do not know. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. But um, we'll 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 look that up, and we'll well, you know what? I'll come up with that information after the break. Um, but before we go into the break, do you want to do a little um, talking about a TV show you might have happened to watch? Oh yeah, look how excited I got for that one. He well, you can't see his face, folks, but he got excited. So we call this segment, if I can find my soundbite. The next episode. There we go. This is going to be called The Next Episode. Previously on Lost. My name is Barry Allen, and I am the fastest man alive.
That's a new theme I've been working on. KB's giving me a look. I don't know if he likes it. But it's a, it's a rock version. We're trying to get away from commercial music. Yeah. Because we don't want to be doing, you know, we don't want to get sued um, anytime soon. But we, I like the name the next episode. Yep. So I found a rock cover of it. And I, I just put that on. So, you know, we don't have to keep it. I was trying it out. Whatever. KB, talk about what you saw. Um, just spoiler alert. You can feel free to Def- spoil it for me. Spoiler. It just it just premiered last night. I haven't saw it yet. I haven't yep. seen it. It's it's on my DVR. I have to catch up with it. I didn't get a chance to. So KB, give us a little insight to what you watched last so, night. So as uh, we had mentioned on a previous show, there was a rumor that Ghost Rider would be um, making an appearance this season, and lo and behold, not only did he make an appearance, literally at the very beginning, <coughs> they start off with it. So the show you watched just to set the stage is Agents of Shield. Yep. Okay, so, so Ghost Rider. Yes. Agents of Shield. So Ghost Rider, basically, um, he's he he's done very well, done very well. Um, not uh, not on the motorcycle, driving driving a charger. So yeah, from what I read about this, this isn't the uh, Johnny Blade version. No. It, this is not the, the for those familiar. It's not the Nicolas Cage motorcycle no. riding Ghost Rider or anything along those lines. It's a ter- different. Uh, rendition of Ghost Rider. Yeah. I believe it's the one that's happening now in the comics as part of the Marvel Now initiative, and it's it's the newer Ghost Rider in the comics. Yes, if I'm if I'm understanding that. Um, but Quake, uh, our uh, Daisy Quake, she um is no longer with Shield, so she is a rogue on the run. So she is um chasing down some bad guys, and Ghost Rider happens to be chasing them down at the same time. Um, so she she sees she sees him and kind of what he does, and he is pretty brutal. There's the, he is the Ghost Rider that we know as being a, a pretty brutal guy. Um, Coulson and the uh, Calvary are kind of in their new positions now with Shield. They are not in charge anymore. So, so Coulson and Melinda May. Yep, Melinda May are not. Uh, they're not uh, in charge anymore. Um, we have uh, some of the other characters have. What uh, about Mac and uh, Mac? Mac is still rolling with Coulson. Cool, cool. And uh, Simmons is now a like right below the director. She's like the wow, director really? of research. Yeah, so That's she's cool. actually she's actually now a higher security clearance than Coulson and Melinda May, which wow. has made some things very um, uncomfortable. Um, but uh, however, what I want to get to is we do get a great, great fight scene from first, the first episode. First right episode off the bat. between Quake and Ghost Rider. So as she's trying to track down Ghost Rider. Uh, she tracks him down at um, a junkyard where he's he's staying, and they kind of figure out who each other is. I'm trying not to give away tons and tons of detail, right. so you can still enjoy it. Um, and basically, they go at it, and they have a pretty good uh, a pretty good bout. And it's uh, you know you got Quake's powers versus Ghost Rider. It was really really that's cool. So for a first episode, it opened with a bang. And just uh, it's been moved in its time slot. It's been moved to 10, 10 p.m. So that's going to allow the series to probably do a little, a little bit darker, a little darker, a little bit more violent, probably, you know, more sexual. Um, yes, like, there's quite a bit of blood. I say sexual. He talks about blood. That makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah. So violence, <laughs> sex and violence, pretty much. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, they put it on a later time slot. Maybe it is for the darkness because of this character. Yep. Um, there's, you know, typically shows that get put in that it's like a death spot time slot mm-hmm. where you know shows go to like they, they're looking to cancel to see if they can, can maintain their viewership i'm curious to see what the ratings are but if it's everybody's raving about this episode mm-hmm. so i'm uh, i'm gonna have to check that out so I, I see i don't think they did it as a dead spot i think it's like more like you said i think it's the violence and the well yeah i know but usually typically that's what yeah. kills tv shows is being put into that time slot yeah 
So it'll be interesting interesting to see where Agents of Shield goes. So KB, uh, on a scale of one to ten, what would you rate that show? That episode or the show? Season season premiere. Season, season premiere? premiere episode. Like an eight and a half. So that's yeah. So you should go check yeah, that out. Go definitely. check that out. All right, folks. Well, we're gonna take a break and come back with the final countdown. So we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Are you ready to upgrade your office space or living area for an affordable price? Stop by Pachico's Furniture, where you can expect a delightful shopping experience, all while saving you some of your hard-earned money. Pachico's Furniture specializes in used furniture, antiques, jewelry, electronics, video games, Blu-ray, DVD, musical instruments, and much, much more. Whether buying or selling, we strive on being Fall River's finest second-hand store. Pachico's Furniture is a family-owned and operated business located on 663 Bedford Street, formerly Billy's Cafe, in Fall River, Massachusetts. Come on by, you'll be pleasantly surprised. Look at that couple. Boy, they sure seem to be in love, huh? You know, what's with that? That's the second time you've commented on couples in love. Well, I, I like that sort of thing. Tell me, do you have a girlfriend, Brody? Had one. We just broke up. The thing. Is this dork made of orange rock like the rest of his body? <laughs> it's a superhero secret. Tell me, Brody, uh, why did you and your girlfriend break up? She was a pain in the ass. She wanted me to be this typical boyfriend guy. Said I was too into my own world of comics and all. Yeah, I can relate. There was a time when it was all about comics for me, you know? I, I had a girl probably the same as yours. She always complained that I spent too much time with my own comics, and uh, eventually we broke up. See, what did she know? Here you are now, a legend in the field. Probably had a slew of women since her, am I right? Oh, lots of women. Jagger and me, we had a running contest to see who had the most. Matter of fact, Last time I looked, I was way ahead. But I never forgot that girl. Well, did you ever get back together with her? One day I found out she got married. I had blown it. I had uh, missed my window. No way. Well, what'd you do? I went on with my life. I created some special new superheroes. Uh, they were characters that reflected my own heartbreak and my own regrets. How so? Dr. Doom wears body armor to conceal his own mangled form, right? Yeah. Okay, that was me beneath the armor. The Hulk, a normal guy one minute, a rage of emotions the next, just like me when I thought about what I'd given up. So you created each character as a way to deal with your one big regret. Yeah, the girl that got away. Look, do yourself a favor, Brody. Don't wait, because all the money, all the women, even all the comic books in the world, they can't substitute for that one person. I don't know, all the comics in the world? Trust me, true believer. Well, good talking to you. Keep up all the good work. You keep reading them. I'll keep writing them. Hey, Stan. Yeah? She really meant that much to you? Brody, I'd give it all up. All of it. For just one more day with her. Take care. Stan. Hi. Hey, you know, I think he bought it. 
Yeah? yeah? Yeah. What kind of story did you give him? Oh, it was the vulture soliloquy, you know, from the Spider-Man anniversary issue, Love Be a Vulture Tonight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough, Mr. Oh, forget it. But, you know, I think you ought to get him some help. He seems to be really hung up on superhero sex organs. And he is really hung up <laughs> on superhero sex organs. That is from one of the greatest movies of all time called Mallrats. It's a movie by Kevin Smith. Awesome director. Did a couple episodes of The Flash this yep. season. He's going to be coming back next season to do another Flash episode, I believe. Um, maybe an Arrow episode, or maybe I think he wants to do a Supergirl episode. I can't remember. I'm but always I'm, curious to what Kevin Smith's doing or what he's up to. Amazing. Well, his new movie coming out, or I don't even know if it's out yet. Uh, Yoga Hosers, which is starring his daughter, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah, I heard about that. Um, so then he, is he writing anything? Um, I don't know if he's writing anything. I think he's just more. He's doing his podcast. He's got like, you know a couple of shows. He's got Comic Book Men. He's got. Um, a new show, which which basically I was told that they ripped off this idea from the podcast and did their own show, which, <laughs> uh, I you know, that's cool. Great Kevin minds think awesome. alike. Yeah, apparently. Um, I just want to point out, as we came back from the break uh, earlier, we were talking about George R.R. R. Martin. He just turned 68 in September. Yep. So he's he's still pretty young, but he's, you know, you never know what's going to happen. He's a bigger guy. Maybe he's not in good health. And, you know, you want to just double check to make sure that his vision is going to be carried on, you know, after his death yeah. type of thing. So I, I think that's really cool. Before we get into the countdown, why don't we, oh. you know, just... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just hold whoa, on. Whoa, whoa. You're it's throwing, a, you're throwing a, the format out. <laughs> it's a Stan Lee kind of day, but we should kind of just talk a little bit about him and just kind of how great, like, he is. Um, I almost, every time I see Stan Lee or I hear Stan Lee speak, I feel like there's, there's a, a very true-to-life wisdom about this man. I don't know if Jay Free agrees with that. Like... Uh, I don't know if I agree with that, but continue on. I, I just formulate, when, formulate when, your when thought. When you hear some of the stories about like um, the the situation with like creating Spider Man and him saying, you know, uh, Spider Man was like his wife had said, "Hey, Stan, you know, if you were going to leave Marvel, because I think he was going to leave Marvel at the time, do it your way," and he took the chance on making the character. He seems to have lots of stories, life stories, and life lessons that I think, especially if he's been on Comic Book Men a few times, and you hear him talk you know about things and when you hear him talk about his characters there's always more story behind his characters than like you could read everything on dr doom but you're never going going to know as much about dr doom as him because oh, he, he created cre- the character yeah, he created, yeah. it, but when you hear his explanations for a lot of things um like comic on comic book men one time he said dr doom is not a bad guy because dr doom <laughs> he's not a criminal he <laughs> he's never breaking the he's never broken the law technically he's a man who wants to take over the world don't, don't you want to take over the world doesn't everybody at some point wish that they ruled the world it's a common thought it doesn't make somebody a criminal or a bad man and there's no law saying you can't try to rule the world it's these kinds of thoughts with him that you got to appreciate the genius of it and you got to appreciate the mindset well, behind I th- it i think he's a very like uh, he's true, like you said, true to himself, and I think he's just uh, like he's he's confident in his own abilities, you know. And I think I think that's he doesn't he doesn't take an easy way out. He sticks to his guns, even like you said, his wife said, "Do it your way," and he did it his way. He you know kind of like solidified his stance, and he you know he created a great character from it. Um, I agree uh, to an ex- to an extent, um, but I don't I don't want to take over the world. Yep. I don't want to take over the world. But even if you did, it doesn't make you a criminal or a bad guy. Uh, it makes you kind of insane. So if anything happens to me, it was KB. 
Get Kibi. <laughs> I'm not that devious. Okay, good. I appreciate that. So, anything else you want to say before we get no, into it? No, no. I just want to just, just throw a monkey wrench into the show. I, I, I type this whole format. The man. Then why didn't you come to me beforehand and be like, hey, Jay Free, I have this idea. Before we go to the final countdown, why don't we do this? And then you spring it on me as a surprise. And then you throw my You format. surprise me with different beats and stuff all the time. Yeah, so. but it's my show. I can do that. <laughs> Somebody's going to be competitive with you. Somebody's going to keep you on edge. <laughs> all right. So I guess now we have to go to the final countdown. <laughs> it's the final The final countdown. So, you know, I'm taking my show back. KB, you're going to go first this time. I was uh, planning on it. Yeah, so. good. All right. So what are, what's our list today? Our list today is our top five favorite Stan Lee creations. Okay. I'm going to go. Mine are going to be quick. I'm going to give some background for them, but uh, I'm not going to go into too, too much detail. So I'll let you do I, that. I think, a lot of the, I'll, <laughs> I think a lot of them are self-explanatory. Okay. Then start with so, your number five. Number five on my list. Um, I'm going to mention the co-creator on all these two just to kind of. Wow, you went, you went above and beyond from what I did. Yep. Um, <coughs> number five on my list, and it's hard to even say this, that this is my number five, because he's made so many great right. creations. Uh, X-Men. X-Men is number five on my list. Um, created this with Jack with uh, Jack Kirby, Jack the King Kirby. Um, so this was after, basically, the success of Fantastic Four and uh, Amazing Spider-Man, and basically, like, Stan just kind of wanted to keep doing different things, I guess. So he came up with this idea of, oh, you know, people that mutate their powers come from genetic uh, mutations. Um, and, and basically, the beautiful thing about it is not necessarily just the mutations, but it's the conflict that it creates. Um, it's the intolerance and fear from the rest of the world against these characters that I think back in that time was just very, very unique. And I think the X-Men have continued to... Uh, take that, and they've gone a different route because it, when when Wayne and Claremont when they when they took over the stories they changed they changed it and it, it took a better form, but the seed the idea comes from you know comes from Stan. So um, X Men, I mean, if you're a geek, you know <laughs> you can't help but not know a lot <laughs> about the X Men um, and love so many of the, the different characters. But uh, yeah, X Men is is my number five. Oh, and that's X Men number one was uh, 1963. We'll be we'll be hearing more about that later on. So that was my number five. My number five was a character created in 1962 in the book Journey into Mystery 83, and this was created post Incredible Hulk. And Stan Lee says, "How do you make someone stronger than the strongest person?" It finally came to me. Don't make him human. Make him a god. I decided readers were already pretty familiar with Greek and Roman gods. It might have been f- fun to delve into the old Norse legends. Besides, I pictured Norse gods looking like Vikings of old with the flowing beards, horn helmets, and battle clubs. Journey into Mystery needed a shot in the arm, so I picked Thor to headline the book. After writing an outline depicting the story and the characters I had in mind, I asked my brother Larry to write the script because I didn't have time, and it was only natural for me to assign the penciling to Jack Kirby. So my number pick at number five is Thor. Good pick. So there's no wrong ones on this. Yeah, there's there's not. And <laughs> Thor Thor is like one of probably my favorite Avenger. Yep. Uh, in the movies, and I I I didn't know much about him. You know, when I was collecting comics, mm-hmm. I was never really big. 
big Thor guy. But now that like I saw the movies and I saw him in the Avengers and I just like Chris the way Chris Hemsworth plays him, I'm yeah. gonna go back and I'm collecting Take a look some, at some old of the stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's your number five. My number four. Again, hard to believe I'm saying this. Fantastic four. Wow. So Fantastic Four number one was nineteen sixty one. Um, Fantastic Four, I mean, that's like the first family of comics. I, I don't think there's there's too much that comes before that. Um, the Basically, this was Stan Lee. They created this, him and, and Jack Kirby, again, co-creator. Um, this was a direct response, actually, to the success of Justice League at DC, um, where they came up with this. Um, so Stan Lee, basically, he decided to um, create a family that was a family of heroes it was more of a family unit and they didn't have secret identities which was kind of what a lot of the heroes have and and i think even to today there's still a lot of secret identities going on um so they're very unique in in that way um it just it it, it's basically a close-knit family and they they have chemistry and there's a lot of conflict within the family so it's kind of like bringing that family drama that families can have into the sci-fi universe and, and essentially making a sort of a kind of a, a soap opera or, or something that more people can 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 uh, feel uh, relate to when they're reading it. Um, so I really, really think, you know, the Fantastic Four is just one of those fantastic, fantastic comics. Um, and, you know, it's still something that hasn't changed. Like a lot of the I mean, granted, it's not let me say let me say it, not say that hasn't changed. But it's still unlike the X Men that's changed a bit. This is this is a book that the uh, Fantastic Four seems to the characters seem to stay the most part have stayed the same up until almost when Secret Wars ended. Um, it's still kind of Stanley's imprint on it. It hasn't changed as much as I think as some of the other ones have. I mean the uh, the roster has changed a little bit because yeah, like, it changed a little bit here and there, but the the idea is the same. It's usually a, a, a close knit unit of people. That are family like. Uh, I mean, they threw kind of threw She Hulk into there for a while when thing was uh, yeah. MIA, and he was. But yeah, I, I agree what you're saying. It's 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 the closest knit as far as like you talk about teams and stuff like yeah. that. But you talk about like just the the bond between a team as far as teams go. Yep. Everybody else, all these other teams are, you know, they just happen to be put together. They be, they generate those friendships. They they evolve you know their their respect in each other toward friendships you know x-men like you mentioned earlier is more you know of a school like it's people there I, I think what it is here is these uh, these heroes all know each other before they get their powers right and it's and a, the it's bond a the bond scenario. is already there the bond is already there and so then it's the, a the different powers beast. enhance that bond. yes it's a, it's a different beast um so yeah so fantastic it's hard to say that that's number four on my list <laughs> i'm curious i'm curious we might have some of the same ones but my number four is this is the one that i kind of uh it's not the monkey wrench, but it might be an unexpected pick. Yep. This character debuted in 1966 in, oddly enough, Fantastic Four, number 48. Stan Lee wanted a more powerful godlike villain. I know who you're talking about. Who I got? Galactus. Galactus. And Stan Lee says, uh, Galactus was simply another in a long line of supervillains whom we loved creating. Having dreamed up many powerful baddies, we felt the only way to top ourselves was to come up with an evildoer who had almost godlike powers. Therefore, the natural choice was sort of a demigod. But now, what would we do with him? We didn't want to use the tired old cliche about him wanting to conquer the world. That's when inspiration struck. Why not have, why not have him not really be an evil person? After all, a demigod would be beyond mere good and evil. 
he'd re- all what he would need is require the life force and energy from living planets. So I just think that's really cool. Like it's a cool way. Like I'm not gonna make all these guys purely evil. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna create almost like not a tragic character per se because we we've talked about tragic characters in the past. Mister yeah. Freeze trying to save his wife and things along that nature. Uh, Galactus is just trying to survive, and his his way of surviving comes into conflict with the safety of the human race. <laughs> So it's it's like where's it's a catch twenty two. One guy, you're basically saying no, I don't want you to survive because we need it's like you know one versus all type of thing, and you know would you let one person die to save billions? It's it's an interesting concept, and it led to the creation of his herald, the Silver Surfer, Silver who's Surfer. a badass character. If you think about Fantastic Four and just Stanley's stuff in general, the a lot of these you know um, X Men and, and Fantastic Four. Think about all the characters that have come off of those after they were created. It's it's just the 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 list is endless. The list is endless. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But that's my number four, Galactus. So on to number three. Uh, my number three, it, it's first uh, Daredevil. Daredevil, a great character. I wanted to include him. He yep. did not make my list. Yep. Uh, so 1964. So older than what some people probably think. I, I think if you're uh, you know, if you're you're newer to reading comics and stuff, you probably don't assume Daredevil is this old because the story has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. It's kind of more of a crime drama kind of feel today, where it really wasn't before. He was kind of more of a, more of a hero. Um, but uh, so the premise of the character is basically just it's it, it's it's very it's a unique character because um, Daredevil's blind. It was basically the the first really handicapped uh, superhero, and he's blind, and it enhances all of his other. Um, senses and he, he has this sonar sense um, so it, it, it just increases everything else that he uh, all his other senses um, when he created it created the character it was actually had the yellow I, I always I always wondered how long the, the yellow tights were around um, and actually they weren't around that long because in Daredevil Daredevil number seven they traded those in for the red suit um, but Daredevil is just one of the one of those characters that I think to me, it just it just strikes um, you know that you can have somebody who you know has the, has this what you would think a major disability and can be a hero just like anybody else um, in the whole man without fear you know um, it's it just it's just always been a, a great concept um, so Daredevil is definitely uh, you know that's my number three co-created by Bill Everett my number three <clears throat> it's gonna give it away when I tell you. What- what comic he first appeared in. Yep. But this comic you uh, first created in 1962. The first comic, The Incredible Hulk number one. So obviously <laughs> my number three pick is The Hulk. Bruce Banner. <laughs> well, I got some did you knows in, in a minute okay. here too. But um, first of all, regarding The Hulk, uh, Stan Lee said the Hulk's creation was inspired by a combination of Frankenstein and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And he says, it was patently apparent that the monstrous character, The Thing, was the most popular character in the Fantastic Four. For a long time, I'd been aware of the fact that people were more likely to favor someone who was less than perfect. It's a safe bet that you remember Quasimodo, but how easily can you name any of the other heroic, handsomer, more glamorous characters in The Hunchback of Notre Dame? And then there's Frankenstein. I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the Frankenstein monster. No one could ever convince me that he was the bad guy. He never wanted to hurt anyone. He merely groped his torturous way through a second life trying to defend himself, trying to come to terms with those who sought to destroy him. 
I decided I might as well borrow from Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde as well. Our protagonist would constantly change from his normal identity to his superhuman alter ego and back again. So that was how we wanted to create the Hulk. But now I have a couple of did you knows. So in that first issue, the Hulk is actually gray. Hmm. Has gray skin. So uh, for those that don't know that, because uh, Stan Lee initially tro- chose gray for the Hulk because he wanted a color that did not suggest any particular ethnic group. Colorist Stan Goldberg, however, had problems with the gray coloring, resulting in different shades of gray and even green in the issue. After seeing the first published issue, Lee chose to change the skin color to green. That's, that's the first that you know. That's really cool. Second, which is, uh, this is a common occurrence, and anybody that knows Stan Lee or reads Marvel Comics, no. Uh, Lee gave the Hulk's alter ego the alliterative name Bruce Banner because he found he found he had less difficulty remembering alliterative names, alliterative names. Despite this, in later stories, he misremembered the character's name and referred to him as Robert Banner, or Bob Banner, rather, <laughs> an error which readers quickly picked up on. The discrepancy was resolved by giving the character the official name Robert Bruce Banner. <laughs> so that's my number three. Sly dog. That's my number three, the Hulk. Uh, that's a good one. Um, so on to number two. My number two, um, and people might say, huh, why is this your number two? Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's cool. Not even on my list. Yeah. Um, Ant-Man was Tales to Astonish number 27, uh, 1962, and Wasp was uh, Tales to Astonish number 44. So, so you're cheating already by grouping them together. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. But, I, I'm just... well, well, the thing is, it, it's, it's them as a couple. That's what what makes them so unique. Our couples episode was yes. a few back. Actually. I know. So, but anyway, so um, so you have uh, basically Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne. So basically, you know, they are kind of. If you think about it, before the movies, how appreciated were they really in the Marvel universe? Probably not as big no. as a lot of other characters. Um, but now that we've seen the Ant Man, I think people are kind of more gravitating towards. Maybe going back and looking at some of but his stuff. But that's the Scott Lang version. Yeah, but still. So we gotta, but, we people, gotta, but people equate the hero and start looking and then start figuring out more of the story. Well, they're going to find some interesting stories for Hank Pym. Yes. So, And that's the thing. So Hank Pym and uh, Janet Van Dyne are two of the actual founding members of the Avengers. Um, so they're basically, I guess they've been consistent for as long as Marvel's been around as far as what their stories are. Um, they're, they're the kind of couple that gets completely and totally pissed off at each other and then goes back and forgives each other and is all lovey-dovey. Um, and they've been doing that, uh, basically for, you know, for, for a long time. So they're kind of the, um, uh, I mean, I, I usually like to say that Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Woman are the first couple of Marvel, but it seems like, it seems like the Ant-Man and the Wasp are, uh, really kind of the first couple of Marvel. Um, so basically, yeah, it just seems to me like that's that's one of those things back then. You're you're getting that, uh, um, like how how would I say it? like like just a very power a power couple back then is kind of what they were. Um, so definitely in uh, the Ant Man and the Wasp, the whole shrinking thing and in, in the the shrinking and the you know coming back to size and all that. Um, I think that that's just a brilliant brilliant um, power. <laughs> I just think that's an amazing thing. Um, so yeah, so that's my number two. My number two, uh, I'm going to try to make this uh, short and sweet, but my number two first debuted in 1962 in Amazing Fantasy number 15. He was created due to a teenage demand for comic books, so they wanted to make a teenager hero. 
you know, and I, I get the appeal. This is a shy, nerdy guy that gets these powers and becomes a hero. And he's an inventor and he invents web shooters. Of course, I'm talking about Spider-Man. And he was named Spider-Man because Lee wanted to make the teen age as the comic progressed and show him have a life and get married and have a family. And that was the intent. And I just really like Spider-Man because it's the everyman. It's the nerdy dude that gets the powers. And it's it's kind of like, you know, us as comic book readers, the way we used to be and used to be perceived. That as, awkwardness. Yes, exactly. Yes. Any, any teenager knows gr- growing up there, like the awkwardness. And I think it was brilliant to make a teenage hero. So I'm going to... Uh, kind of phrase it from, and and, uh, I don't know what the word I want to use here is, but paraphrasing or just stealing his catchphrase. My number two, Spider-Man, enough said. (laughs) So on to number one. So my number one, Jeffrey Stole My Thunder. Yes. Amazing Fantasy number 15, 1962, Spider-Man. I, ca- I kind of figured, so I didn't want to go too much into it because I'd let you do some. Yeah, um, so basically one of the one of the things about, uh, I, and I think I mentioned alluded to this earlier when I was just talking about Stan Lee, is how you know it was one of those things where his wife said, you know, <coughs> you need to kind of go for broke with this. Um, and basically, so what happened was when he, when he put out the idea, it got actually rejected by the editor, Martin Goodman. Um, and he... D- Goodman didn't think that uh, he basically just said that teenagers they weren't heroes um, and he didn't think that the public would really buy into that um, so but Stan basically just uh, you know convinced him to uh, to go with it and they went with it and uh, you know it turned into what it is today um, but the thing is 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 in this kind of just building more on kind of what Jeffrey was saying um, it is the awkwardness but with the character getting older it then gets into you know he's not worried about the same things that other superheroes are worried about. You know, he's worried about a job, paying his rent, um, the girl that he likes. He has all these other emotions behind him. And I think at the time, people were just not seeing that. So you were getting this, uh, I, th- I think, you know, back then, people were getting that soap opera uh, kind of vibe from, from, the, from, the, uh, from the book. And so you keep picking it up because you want to know what happens next. You want to know what happens next. You want to know... Almost like almost like wrestling or soap operas today. You just want to know what happens next. Um, and if we if we think about a lot of a lot of our comics now that are out, I mean that's what we try to do. That's what a lot not we, but that's what a lot of the writers, uh, you know, try to do when they're making these comics is they, they try to kind of live up to what Spider Man did, uh, you know, way back in uh, Amazing Fantasy fifteen. So yes, yeah, Spider Man's definitely definitely my number one, and co created by Steve Ditko. So very cool, great. That's a great number one. I mean. That would have been my number one yep. if it hadn't been for my number one that I'm going to go into now. And KB already alluded to it. Created in 1963, according to this particular creation, Stan Lee said, I couldn't have everybody bitten by a radioactive spider or exposed to gamma ray explosion. And I took the cowardly way out. I said to myself, why don't I just say they're mutants? They were born that way. And, oddly enough, Marvel publisher Martin Goodman turned down the initial name, The Mutants, stating that the readers would not know what a mutant was. So Lee came up with my number one pick, The X-Men. The original explanation of the name, it's not because of it's Xavier. Because in X-Men number one, as provided by Charles Xavier himself in the book, is that mutants possess an extra power, one which ordinary humans do not. That is why I call my students X-Men for extra power. That's the first issue of X-Men. 
And that's how they came. And and why they're my number one is yes, Spider Man I think is probably the greatest comic character of all time. But to your point that you made earlier, the X Men for what they stand for, they're getting hated. This team, the, these people, these these human beings for like, these Homo sapiens superior, are being hated just for the way that they're born, and that's reflected in a lot of even current issues. It, it's relevant today. That's the relevant thing. It, today. It, the, the whether it be relevant. you know ethnicities, racism, the LG, how you dress, like LGBT, whatever. LGBT, yeah. you know, community and acceptance, Geeks. equality, everything, yeah. like anything that's like oh. Because well, geeks is a little bit different. Well, now it is, but but I mean, like, no, but I mean, like, when it comes geeks to like, a smaller scale, yeah, yeah, when it comes to like, you know, your ethnicity, your race, yeah, religion, your, your sexual preference, your religion. Well, even religion, you can choose your religion as you you grow up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But these other things that you're born with that you can't change about yourself, yeah. you can't change the color of your skin. You can't choose. You can't choose or change who you're attracted to and who you fall in love with. These are the or issues. Or if you feel like you're, a, if you're a boy and you feel like a girl. Exactly, or, yeah. exactly, and that's, and that's why the X Men I think still are relevant to this day. Now the comics are kind of like weeding them out and doing some stuff with the Inhumans and focusing more on that. And that I think that's more because of the film rights not being yeah. within Disney's hands. And I get that, but to me, I think that's the most important creation that Stan Lee has ever made is the X Men. Um, even even when it kind of took the idea, you have Charles Xavier who wants the peaceful coexistence between mm-hmm. humans and mutants. He's kind of like, a, you know, this parallels to him and Martin Luther King Jr. And then you have Magneto, by any means necessary, more of a Malcolm X, X type. Of yeah. It's such a great dynamic. And you have these two schools of thought. Both want these people who are born different than what people see as or perceive as normal to flourish and be protected just by different means, and that puts them one against each other. I just think that's great storytelling. It's a great creation, and that's why it's my number one pick, the X-Men. Great pick. Thank you. Well. You can't go wrong with any of them. No, it's great. And um, we're going to go out in a minute here uh, just because this is a Stan Lee-centric show. Um, Stan Lee's going to say a little bit, and I think the words that he's going to say kind of reflect how you and I both feel about him. Even though he's not saying it about himself, I think it's how you and I can can see and have uh, how how much we revere this man. But before we do that, let's throw up the bat signal. Mm-hmm. KB uh, covers of the week. Facebook covers of the yes, week. Yes, g- good week for covers. Both both Marvel and DC yeah, killing good, it right good now. Stuff. DC is killing it right now. Yeah. Um, Twitter for your geek. Twitter. Uh, we t- Facebook for your geek podcast, uh, uh, and then on the, Facebook. Uh, we got the YouTube page. YouTube for your geek, uh, yeah. Instagram for your geek, the website jfreethegeek.com. Plenty Just of stuff. Geeking out all over the place. Right? Yeah, we're, we're we're updating everything, and uh, again, check out Rhode Island Comic Con, ricomiccon.com to check out all the guests, the vendors, the hours, the time frame. It's it's an awesome, awesome show. Definitely check that out. So again, we're gonna go out with Stan Lee. Just basically saying what I think, you know, in, in, to your point, his heart of hearts, how he's such a, uh, yeah. you know, a truthful and, and, and uh, honest person. And he's in good spirits and he, he's just he's just very honorable. So I think that's kind of cool, too. Yeah. But KB, hit him, hit him with the uh, hit him with the catchphrases. Start your weekend with your geek friends and, and get your geek on. Thanks, everybody. Catch you later. You know. I guess one person can make a difference. Enough said.
you're still here. It's over. Go home. <laughs>